0: Hello, everyone. Today's a question that um, I get asked often, and so I figured I'd talk about it and uh, discuss it in a little bit more detail about my past and about um, why Hapkido is the style that um, that is my chosen system, my the core system of everything that I do. So to, to start this conversation, I'd have to go back to where it all began. Now, I've been doing Hapkido for over 40 years now, and I started back in the late 70s. At that time, there were only three martial arts schools in Aurora, and that's Aurora, Illinois, which is, by the way, for those who, who, those who are not familiar, is, uh, is uh, about 35 miles west of city Chicago limits and the second largest city in Illinois. So at that time, there was uh, uh, very few martial arts schools. Uh, there was a Taekwondo school on one cor- corner. There was an Ryu school taught at the local Y and the new school that had opened up was a hapkido school that the owners uh, some the brothers had moved in from chicago where they had learned hapkido from the korean instructor there being such a small person in stature i didn't really although i i i liked what they were what i was seeing in taekwondo it didn't appeal to me at all because i didn't see the need to do so much kicking and punching when I knew that more than likely the person that I was going to get into a fight with was going to be very close in and grab me and hold on to me. ru was a little bit different. It appealed to be a little bit more, but it still didn't give me that um, that feeling of the, the, the where you get the old shit moment where it's something that you really like and it, you can really feel it. It wasn't until I attended one of the Hapkido classes that I really felt that this was something that would work for me and that I liked I liked that everything was done very close to the body I liked that we did a lot of grabbing and I felt that it appealed to me as a person of smaller stature um where I felt that it just this would work a little bit more I liked I liked the, the you know the variety and as I said, at that time I wasn't familiar with any martial arts. I wasn't familiar with judo. I wasn't familiar with any weapon systems. Um, Jiu-Jitsu in one form or another, was either n- not available or uh, the Brazilian style had not even come close to being around in the area yet. So moving on from there, I, I started taking, I started training in hapkido, and I really, it really, it really hit me. I, I enjoyed it. I liked what I was doing. I had learned a lot about it I still I was never a exceptional kicker uh, I never have been um I never was at that time either much better, you know I had obviously you know when you're younger and you're at that age you have much more flexibility than you do now or than I do now anyway um so my kicking wasn't bad but not at the level of some guys who were taller and had longer legs I was just a smaller person and Learning to kick somebody's head when they were so far away from me to begin with was something that was just seemed like a, a phenomenal to me, it seemed like a phenomenal waste of time and energy. As I as I continued to train, remember, like I said, I was about 14 years old. I stayed training for a while. When I entered the military at 18. One of my goals was to continue training in hapkido in one form or another. My first station of assignment was in South Dakota, Ellsworth Air Force Base, South Dakota. And the only thing they had there was a taekwondo school. I went there and tried it out for a while. I think I trained there for like six months. And um, it was okay. I mean, I, it it helped me perfect my, my kicking, uh, you know, my base and things like that. And the self defense that they did have in it, they, they actually referred to it as Hakido. And I thought it was a very watered down version of the Hakido that I'd already learned. Moving forward, I had I had the opportunity to apply for transfers. And in the military, a lot of times they refer to those as a dream sheet. A dream because you know you can put in for all these places, but the odds of you getting the one you want are minimal. I remember somebody pulling me aside and telling me, listen, if you really want to go to a certain area, you can't be putting all over the place. You know, you can't say, um, I'd love love to go to Japan, but I'd also like to go to Korea. But if I don't get that, Germany would be great. And if I don't get that, I'd like to go to Britain. You can't do things like that because the computer computer reads it as this doesn't matter where he goes, everything is good. What they suggested was find a location that you want and apply everything in that general location and the computer reads it as the strongest as this is where this person wants to be. And it kicks it out as that being the strongest possibility. So what I did is my intent was 100% to go to Korea. I really wanted to go back. I really wanted to go to Korea. I wanted to study continue my studies in Hapkido, And I thought, what a better place to go to than the place of its birth. So um, I did end up, up I did end up applying to different uh, um, bases in Korea, all the bases in Korea that I could pos- possibly get and at the end of the dream sheet when I couldn't when I um, kind of filled in all the different slots that they had there, I started filling in you know different ones in either Japan or Okinawa. As luck would have it, I did get my first choice in Korea which was Osan Air Base. And um, that would, like I said, that was my first choice. That's the big air base in Korea. And later that would become like a second home to me. When I arrived in Korea, and you gotta understand the mindset. uh, I was was in a new country. I just arrived in Korea with, with a mission. I mean, a strong mission in mind. I had to find my martial arts instructor. That was my goal. I had to find my, my martial arts instructor. So now I'm in the, uh, I'm in the country. I've just been taken to uh, in processing, uh, been given my dorm room, put down my bags, and I have not even unpacked, and I've already gone into town to start my search. That's how important. So now I'm in country that that the plane landed. I remember this. The plane landed. It was somewhere between six and seven o'clock in the morning. It was an all-night flight. Um, I've got major league jet lag to begin with because now the times are totally different. It's midnight. It's it's not night at home, and I'm living daytime, and it's just I'm, I'm, everything's backwards for me as far as my my frame of frame of thought when it comes to the time frame. What the time frame? So now I'm in uh I'm in Korea, and I'm I'm in I'm in town, and I'm all over the town trying to see if I can find something. That would at least point me in the right direction. As luck would have it, I passed. I remember this. I passed a grocery store, a small like a small Korean grocery store, and there in the grocery store was a poster, and I could read the writing that it was Hapkido. Ha- I, I was familiar enough with the um, Hangul, the uh, Korean letters, to be able to recognize Hapkido when I saw it. And then there was it was it was a generic poster uh um maybe like a, a eight by eight eight by eleven type small one in the window that had hapkido in korean written on it but then in, in pen marker it had a, a name and an address and i went in and talked to the uh, the store owner who had who knew enough broken english to explain to me that the teacher who was teaching hapkido lived in the area but his hapkido school was on base so all this time I'm looking in town for a Hapkido school, and it turns out that the instructor that I was looking for was actually training at the Osan gym on base. So now I'm, I'm I go back to the base and 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 I have to locate the gym because I have no idea where it's at. So I locate the gym as a, and again as luck would have it, I met the instructor there, and I got a chance and he and he was he, he, he spoke enough broken English to be able to communicate with me. And and I told him that I had a Hapkido background, that I wanted to continue my training in Hapkido. His name was Master Yu Chong Su, Master Yu. Super nice guy. Um, I treasure the the time that I spent with him. Master Yu uh, immediately took me in. We we, we had a long conversation. Uh, Within an hour of being there, we went out and had a cup of coffee. That evening, he had invited me to his house To have dinner with his family so now imagine this everyone i am now in country less than 24 hours actually take it back i'm in country less than 12 hours and i'm already having dinner with the with my future teacher that gives you an idea of i had this i what what my mission was and i and i had to find this guy and it turned out i found this guy immediately And, and we and we hit it off immediately So that began my process of Hapkido training in Korea. One thing I had learned from Master Yu was the difference or the differences in different Hapkido systems. I didn't know that. I thought Hapkido was Hapkido across the board. And I started learning through his training that there was a lot of differences in different Hapkido styles. Master Yu, like myself, was not a proponent of a lot of the kicking that you see in Hapkido nowadays the high-flying kicks, the uh, spinning kicks, and a lot of those fancy kicks, he was old school. Uh, uh, He said he was trained directly under Choi Young-Sul, who was the founder of Hapkido. Actually, you know what? Let's take a step back. Let me, let me, for those who are listening, and uh, my assumption is that you know a little bit more about Hapkido, that you know something about Hapkido, but I'm going to give you a quick detail in case that you don't. So Hapkido originally came from Japan. Cho Young sul as a as as a young man, was taken as a young man, a young boy was taken to Hapkido, um, was taken to Japan and became an indentured servant, for the for the lack of a better word, in Japan. As many Koreans were, uh, Korea was under Japanese occupation, and many of the servants in Japan were Korean. It just that's just the history of the way it was. It's nothing pleasant. It is the way it was through circumstances that go into a lot more detail, Choi Young-Soo uh, became a house servant in the house of Takara Tok- Sekara- Sokaku, a Japanese man by the name of Takara Sokaku, who was also current, at that time, was the current head of the Aiki Jujutsu family system. So during the 30 years that he was in, in that area, Cho Young-Soo learned the aiki jujitsu system that was taught by takara sokaku after world war ii Cho young soul returned to tegu his whole base basically one of his the the one of the bigger cities in his home area and uh, and i'm not going to get into details about how it all came about other 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 than to say that he began teaching what he knew as uh in korea but it was just being at that time it was just being referred to as yusool yusool will roughly translates as just martial art or self-defense so he was tra- he was training in yusool and um through time and like i said I, i'm breaking this down real quickly because i don't want to get into a lot of detail with this um, if you want to go to my website, you can see the website and, and I give a little bit more detail on, on how all that came about, but there's, but it's not worth it because there's, there's, there's tons of books out there. And even there there's some arguments of back and forth of what actually happened, one thing that couldn't be argued is that he came back from Japan with a lot of ability and and his martial arts was strong. Anyway, so he starts teaching Yusul, which later translated is to, um, uh hapki Yusul, and then much later became hapkido thank god because that's those other just a lot big mouthful so hapkido uh if it's written in the in in um the chinese text it's actually written the same as aikido and that's in and then the reason one of the strongest and similarities in that is remember that the founder of Aikido Morahayushiva was also a student and part of the Aiki Jiu-Jitsu family under the same one that Cho young Soo was. And that's, there's a connection there. So Cho young Soo starts teaching Yusul at that time. And he has this and, this, and the Korean students that he has, he begins to pass it on to them and as they as they progressed, and there's, some of these students came from various martial arts. They had a strong martial arts background already by the time they started seeing him. What Cho Young-Sul did with them is added the self-defense, added the uh, the, the Aiki Jiu-Jitsu parts that they didn't have in their system, and they created different either different systems or different styles of Hapkido. Those different styles of Hapkido came on board and they started using a lot of uh, Korean kicks the Korean kicks that came in whereas from um, systems in martial arts as old, I mean, old traditional Korean martial arts like Taekwondo, which is a foot fighting system. Very similar to Taekwondo, except I think Taekwondo's, ha- haven't seen Taekwondo performed. Taekwondo has a little bit um, less sport connection than Taekwondo does. A little bit more fight and a little more um, uh, self-defense aspect. So it's it's a little, it has a little closer connection to that warrior mentality of uh, martial arts. So it's an ancient martial art called Taekyan. They blended styles of Taikyan and different other foot fighting systems into the existing Hapkido or Yusul at that time. And that was also Hapkido. That became Hapkido. So now you've got two schools. You've got uh, the the direct yong sul lineage who didn't really do a lot of the kicks, but they did a lot of the grappling, a lot of takedowns, a lot of throws. Um, and then you have the other ones that came from the different Korean masters who also, who added it. Uh, masters like uh, Jihan Jae, who's a extremely gentle and powerful master in hapkido and who coincidentally may have been the one and I'm not going to take this away from him cuz uh even though cho young soo brought his style to japan it may have been ji hun jae who actually gave it the name hapkido so that's that's up that's kind of up in the air too not really sure about that don't really that's kind of not in my lane um, it is what it is Hapkido, though, uh, the, the Jihan Jae teaches a style of Hapkido that involves a lot of kicking, a lot more distance fighting. And in some cases, depending on depending on who's observing, may even have a kind of a Taekwondo look. And, the, and like I said, the school I came from which was, with Master Yu Chong-Soo is it had more of a uh, gra- uh, close body. Master Yu, I remember, used to say to me that if I couldn't touch the person, I shouldn't bother kicking. In other words, he implied that everything, uh, the fighting should all be done in a closer circle. Otherwise, you should be walking away. If the person can't, if you can't grab the person, the person can't grab you. The person can't can, can uh, move into your circle. Then it wasn't even worth having a fight. You were, it wasn't a self-defense situation. It should, you should be removing yourself. So all our kicks were done from really lowered body. A lot of knees, a lot of a lot of uh, um, low low leg kicks, uh, striking the up, the inside of the leg, the outside of the leg. Uh, sidekicks the same thing you'd see in sidekicks and roundhouses you see them but like i said with a with a stronger emphasis on striking the lower parts of the body so that being said that was the style of hapkido that i trained in when i went to korea and trained under under master Yu. and um and uh, once again i'm not going to be able to tell you or even come close to telling you the experience i had training under that man um very very close to him uh he he not only took me to the next level in hakido but he gave me a love of the system that was truly uh remarkable for for a, for a person at that time I just I I I I couldn't tell you enough about how, everything he did he did for me now during that time I had the opportunity to go to the Philippines the Philippines was hosting a um, PACAF, which called Pacific Air Force Martial Arts Tournament. And as a Hapkido person, Hapkido, Hapkidoists don't really, uh, at that time, don't really involve themselves in the tournaments, but I, I was so anxious to prove myself, I had to find a way to see if I could get into this tournament. And Master Yu had had pulled me aside and said, the only way you're going to get into this tournament is if you work and train with the uh, Tang Soo Do instructor who was a friend of his and said, he'll, he'll take you in, his, he'll take you in as a student and you can work, you can work on your kicking and punching because realistically that's all that they're doing in that tournament. It's going to be a lot of kicking and punching. You're not going to be able to do grabs. You're not going to be able to do takedowns. You're not going to be able to sweep and take the guy to the ground. None of that's going to be allowed. So you're going to have to just work on your punching and kicking. So I trained, I remember training with the tongue with the tongue instructor and we trained for a while and uh, i ended up going to the philippines and uh um through search through uh through a lot of bad weather it was during the monsoon season so uh, although we were there we were there representing osan air base at that time that was that would have been 1984. yeah i think it was 1984. my memory eludes me you're, you're looking at almost 40 years ago but um in 1984 it was around there there was a there was monsoon season and uh, Japan had gotten hit really hard with the monsoon, so and Okinawa as well, and so um, uh, both both the islands they weren't able to they weren't able to really send representatives to the PACAF tournament. Because of that, the tournament that was supposed to go for for four days ended up uh, ended up all being done in one day. So um, you if you were going to fight and, and it was fighting based off a tournament system, like a pyramid type of thing. If you're going to fight and you, you'd win, you'd eventually, you know, everything would be done in one day. Was it wasn't supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be a, a day later than the next day. And then finally the the last, like, a, it was supposed to be like a, um, games, a Marshall games. So, um, I had, I, re- I remember I had won the first couple fights and, um, I was really, really happy with myself. And, and I didn't know until we got there that one of the rules in this particular tournament was that we were supposed we were allowed to we were allowed to backfist but we, you weren't allowed to straight punch the face of your opponent. So that was not allowed, which was which was completely at odds with everything I had done considering that I'd spent a lot of time perfecting and working on on just boxing you know i figured i was gonna my goal was to get in really really close to the person since i wasn't a really good kicker really close and start boxing away and now i was told that you could you could do it you could do spinning back fists were allowed back fists were allowed but straight punches were not allowed and that and, and um the first two fights that was good and then in the last fight um I remember that that the guy, the guy had, uh, went to hit me, and he went to kick me, and I, he just missed my my nose by uh, not even an inch, and I just ducked back away from that kick. When he when he put his foot down on the ground, he left himself open, and I punched him right in the side of the head. I remember that clearly as dead. He hit the ground like a rock, and he was down, and I was out. I was uh, disqualified at that point because I had struck him in the side of the head, even though that's what i trained to do and you can imagine my frustration considering myself being a person who just focuses on self-defense more than anything how frustrated i was to know that i had given up my placement that this guy took first place and um i lost knowing that i could have beat him in a fight so that was my that was my uh, experience over there in, in the philippines in uh, my my tournament fighting um using somebody else's style and that's where I had learned a, a really valuable lesson and one of the one of my first valuable lessons in the martial arts was never fight another man's fight you know if he's a if he's a if he's a a, a kicker and you're a grappler and he says hey let's do some kickboxing uh, my suggestion is to take him to the ground real quick and start grappling him start locking his body up because nobody no one has the right to dictate particular fight unless and that didn't come till much later when the mma came around and everybody did a little bit of everything but at that time that didn't exist There was kickboxing uh taekwondo uh, or judo schools and judo didn't allow anybody to enter into their into their tournaments unless you were judo people so let's fast forward a little bit now you know to the to the future uh my training in hapkido so i ended up joining i ended up getting out of the air force i went to the went to the police um i've been with the police i was in the with the police before i retired for 28 years and during that time of the 28 years and i did this is where i get into why hapkido during that time with the 28 years with with hapkido with the police i'm sorry um it hapkido never failed me um i was always able to to control control the subject take the subject to the ground handcuff. never once never once did the system fail me that the i wasn't able to do what it says so all these people out there they, they you hear them say well that wouldn't work well that wouldn't work well that wouldn't work I, i'm going to be the first to tell you that you're full of shit. okay and this is why i say you're full of shit because you're using that you're using uh, no experience and you're using something you know you read something you've seen something you've seen some some of these hot keto schools that do all this fancy stuff and yeah some of it probably wouldn't work and actually i'd probably say a majority of it but for me all of it worked okay and so you, when, you, when, a, when a person stops and says, that wouldn't work, I think you better look at it a little bit deeper and find out who's actually saying that and what experience that they have uh, when they come up and say that kind of stuff. When um, I had, I remember recently having a conversation with a friend of mine who's a, who's a, a, a BJJ guy. He's a, a great, good friend of mine, um, a f- fantastic teacher and an excellent jujitsu practitioner. Mm-hmm. And he was doing a self-defense class and uh, he sends me his the curriculum on the self defense class i said oh that's that's fantastic it looks awesome you know what though i from my perspective that looks like 100% hapkido and i remember him saying and there's truth in this he says it look it looks like it but if i say bjj i can charge more and i we laughed about it because and i and i and i failed to mention that that this guy who's a jiu jitsu guy who's been training in jiu jitsu for years um is also a hapkido person and that was his core system he was a, he started out in hapkido and we laughed about it and but he's he's right to a point but he's right in many other aspects as well and this is where I'll get into what's wrong with hapkido that is being taught everywhere and what is wrong with our current state of police combatives as well or police defensive tactics when it came to hapkido he was he was absolutely right Not only can he charge more, but the fact is, the techniques were probably very, very similar. But here's where it goes different. And this is the issue I have with other Hapkido teachers. It's the way it's being taught. So in many Hapkido schools, they'll teach the self-defense. And the self-defense is good. It works. I know it works. I'm proof that it works. But... I spend a lot of time doing these things over and over and perfecting them. A lot of students don't. When, when a jujitsu practitioner teaches a system or teaches a technique, they drill this technique so much that it becomes muscle memory. And then they vet the technique by, by repeating it over and over and going at it. And in some cases, they grapple into it and they do they roll and roll and work on those techniques. And what happens is that technique becomes muscle memory, and muscle memory is what you use when the fight is going on, and adrenaline is go- your adrenaline is spiked, and your heart has gone from sixty-five beats per minute to one hundred and twenty-five beats. Immediately, it's excelled to that point, and you forget everything, and you're and you're you're having to rely on your your muscle memory and skill and skills that you've learned by constant repetition. So many Hapkido students, they like to learn the technique and they learn the technique, but they're so quick to want to move on or learn another technique that they don't take the time necessary to vet their training, repeat it so often. That it becomes muscle memory so that when the time comes, they can actually use it. I look at the Gracie family. When the Gracies got here to the United States back in the early 90s, they didn't come here to make tons of money. The Gracies came here to spread their art to spread gracie Jiu-Jitsu throughout the world and the united states was one of the beginning starting points of that but they came here in an effort to really pass on the training that was taught them by carlos mm-hmm. and helio gracie taught them and so because of their love of whether they were their sons or um, nephews of these guys, because of their love of them and their love of the system, they didn't hold back. They trained hard and passed on a system that they knew would work and they showed that it worked. Now, let's go back 30 years and let's talk about, and, and I'm gonna be hardcore on this one because it's what I've seen and it's what I've experienced and haven't been in there for 40 years, I'm not going to hold back. The Koreans, when they came here, didn't come with the same intent. Many of the Koreans came here to teach Hapkido, came here to make money. And because they came here to make money, it didn't seem to matter whether the person they were given the black belt to or ranking to were good at it or not, as long as they were able to make money in it i remember back in the early 90s there was a a fitness center a, a franchise fitness center in the chicagoland area called Bally's chicago health clubs and Bally chicago health club started a martial arts program that invited korean instructors to come in they, they paid for them to come in and they were they were spreading hapkido keto through Bally's chicago health club i remember this because i had to deal with it directly because at that time i had already opened up the defense training institute and i was already teaching and um, they had them sign a contract, and that contract that said within two years, you will have a black belt within two years. Within two years. I remember my students having been with me five or six years, in two years didn't even have a yellow belt. And here."